This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to another episode with Kira. Hi Kira, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me back again. So you have conducted uh, many workshops. So are you conducting any other workshops apart from this? Hmm. So I actually I teach uh Qigong classes, moving meditation classes online and I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um and I'm also organizing a retreat for the end of September in the US, uh, a weekend retreat. Um it will be mostly women, uh although everyone is invited. And so if anyone is looking for an excuse to travel to the United States, it will be in a beautiful mountain range um next to a waterfall and will be it's called B camp and we'll be exploring how to build skills to identify ourselves as human beings beyond the things that we're doing. So, yeah. great great so we're all like you know mixing both professional and personal life so our work demands like that sometimes we need to be at the workplace or should complete those tasks and we neglect personal life also as a professional and an experienced uh, wellness uh, analyst so what do you suggest like how can we differentiate personal life and professional life and not to mix both <laughs> wow, it's a great question. Can we unmix? You know, I think about um oil and water. And if we had a bowl and we put water in it and then we poured some oil in it, surface tension like oil flows over the water. It doesn't <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And so then if we want to try it so we can see the oil is oil, our personal life, we can see the water is work life. And if I asked you then to separate the two after we've already pulled the poured them into the bowl, it's going to be a little challenging, right? So, I think that summarizes my advice. What I would say is uh to give yourself forgiveness and grace in understanding that there will always be a conflict between everything to be done at home and everything to be done at work and to think that we can separate those two is maybe possible maybe somebody can have different advice than me i think what i would i think what i would advise is to recognize that conflict that can arise from trying to separate them I am 100% in my personal life outside of work. I'm 100% in my work life when I'm at work may not be realistic. And instead, and also remember there will always be more to do. Always always be more to do. So if your strategy for managing the conflict is to try to get everything done at home before you go to work and then get everything done at work before you go home and keep them separate you may be putting very high expectations on yourself to the extent that you can recognize that you are a human and life is messy 
and beautiful and looking at the oil on the surface of that water can be an incredible, beautiful experience. That surface tension can create rainbows, right? So I think recognizing that the struggle is real, the challenge is not due to some deficit on your part, and then ask for help. Um, sometimes we can think we've got to be the hero and take everything on ourselves. Recognize the impact of the way you have already tried to define and structure your personal and your work life and ask yourself from time to time, how is it working? Do I need to ask for more assistance? Are there ways that I can set boundaries, set boundaries for interruptions? set boundaries for when uh, my day is done, set boundaries around the things I can do and the things that will have to wait. Um, I think that, that those strategies can also be helpful, but recognize that trying to take on all of this, trying to create structures that really separate and protect everything without it being messy can actually contribute to burnout. <laughs> it can actually create more stress. I love the way you said that surface tension creates rainbow. So we can see the colors in it. As you said, the power is all in within us. We can do uh, on time. So what do you uh, say about the delegation of the work? Instead of carrying all the burden on us, can we delegate our uh, chores or some other task to some people? Absolutely. The question is, are you willing to engage. I think that's that's the way I would put it. Are you willing to engage? Some of us, myself included, don't really like conflict. I would really rather not challenge authority or tell someone that I want them to do something. Mostly because I think I should be able to do it all myself. And that gets me in trouble because I think I'm serving the other person by not asking. And in fact, it means I'm not serving myself. So absolutely, yes, I would strongly encourage everyone in any situation to ask, am I the only one who can do what needs to be done? You could ask yourself, am I the best one can I do it most efficiently or most effectively? You could ask yourself, are there other people that could also do this thing? And then once you know the answers to those questions, then the courage comes in. Observing, why do I want to take this on myself? Well, I think I'll do it best, or I can do it fastest or I don't have time to delegate to someone else. Those can be barriers. I might say, well, I think this person could take this on, but I'm afraid of what they'll think of me. I'm afraid they'll think I'm selfish or weak or anything else that they might think. I'm afraid they're going to yell at me. I'm afraid they're going to say no. And all of those things are possible because we can't control anyone else. But what I know about burnout and stress and well-being is that when I won't ask for help is when I feel 
the most, the closest to burnout, the most stressed. And those are the moments where I have to ask myself, is it more stressful to continue taking this on? Or is it more stressful to ask somebody else for help? And when I get up the courage to ask for help, I'm always amazed. There are lots of people around all of us who are willing to help. We just have to be brave enough to ask. And sometimes we'll ask once and we'll get a no. And we'll ask again and we'll get a no. So there's a really beautiful uh, structured way of having that conversation if you'd like me to share that. That's great. As you said, um, few people say no. So I wanted to stress on this, how we can face the rejections in life. People people might take positively or some people will, might take negatively. So how do you face rejections? Hmm. How to face rejection. I so love this conversation. Thank you. I think it comes down to how do you see your worth? How do you see your value? If you believe your value and your worth are based on other people's perceptions, another way of saying that is if I believe that people around me define my value and my worth, then rejection is going to have a very negative impact on me. And I may organize myself to make sure that I never have that rejection because it might feel like the end of me if someone doesn't love me, if someone doesn't approve, if someone rejects me. That cuts to the core of who we are, of our survival mechanism. So it's not at all surprising that we have strong reactions to rejection and want to avoid rejection. And here's the antidote for that. We all have an opportunity to identify our own value and our own worth, period, full stop. You are valuable and you are worthwhile. And what other people think of you, how other people treat you, what people say to you is not a reflection of you and your value and your worth. It's a reflection of them of their life experiences, of how they were taught, of their beliefs that were uh, created in them from birth. So in order to handle rejection, to me, it's about remembering what someone says to you is about them. What you say is about you. So if I say I could use some help with this, I'm simply asking for help because I've decided to be brave. If someone says, I am not going to help you, that's about them. It has nothing to do with whether you're worthy of that assistance, whether you were justified in asking, of course you were. And so recognizing that there is a barrier, I am me, you are you. You have free will to say yes or no. I have free will to ask. The more we can create those barriers, those boundaries of my identity and your identity being separate, the easier it becomes to handle that rejection. That's wonderful, wonderful. Like you, you should have the self-belief, like we are worthful, we are good, we are productive, and always should have the positive thoughts within us. 
so what do you say about this self care self love how does it impact our productivity and our daily life hmm there's so 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 many studies that scientists have shown that productivity increases when we're recognized when we're thanked uh, after we've gone on a vacation when we feel connected to the mission and purpose of our work all of those things and sleep so um physical health so many things contribute to optimum performance so many things emotional self regulation so how do we get there we get there by honoring our bodies our hearts and our minds that's what self care is it's not a luxurious vacation it's not a new lipstick it can be those things are lovely and they're fun and of course we want those things right but when we recognize that we're valuable then caring for our body isn't selfish it's not a luxury caring for your body is showing gratitude for this beautiful amazing vessel that you're in and carrying around with you on this planet so self care is about acknowledging i have a body and i get to care for my body and this is an honor for me to care for my body and then it's about learning what does your body like how does it want to be cared for what is possible for you and your body to build this beautiful loving respectful caring relationship tending to your heart what do i feel do i even know what i feel what makes me feel good what what disgusts me what don't i like the more we get to know what kinds of people places work tasks situations music food what kinds of things bring us happy emotions um positive emotions then we invest more time in doing those things and it rejuvenates our heart and brings well-being and learning the things that don't bring us happiness maybe things that create fear in us or sadness in us then those things we can learn to reduce in our lives that's another form of self-care and then recognizing our brain and our brain's job is to defend and protect us and that's beautiful but sometimes our brain works a little bit too much on protecting and defending and so activities people places situations again music art food that help our brains calm and quiet those kinds of activities are also self-care and so when we tend to ourselves when we tend to our minds we can come to work and we can focus when we tend to our hearts so that emotionally we feel strong we feel balanced even neutral now i can come into the workplace and i'll be able to focus i won't be so distracted trying to perceive and judge and guess what people are thinking and saying and doing and then certainly when we're caring for our bodies when we've bathed 
when we are wearing something that feels nice to us, when we hear things, when we taste things, smell things that feel good and calming, then we can bring ourselves to work in a happy, joyful, open state instead of feeling closed off and defensive. That's nice. That's great, Kira. So you are an author also. You have written a few books. So tell us something about it, your author role. Hmm. Being an author is an interesting experience because I remember the first book I wrote was called Who Works Where and Who Cares? A Manager's Guide to the New World of Work. And it's all about how you can take um, a very systematic approach to managing people who may be working in different time zones, in different countries, in different offices, in different locations. And I remember I was talking with my editor and it was just, the book was just about to go to print. And I said, I'm so scared. And she said, why are you afraid? And I said, because all of my thoughts and ideas are on paper or a digital version or audio version, right? And I thought, oh, now people are gonna know what I think. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, and then the second book I co-wrote with uh, someone named Jamie Like, and we wrote a book called 100 Ways to Wellbeing in 10 Minutes or Less. And the purpose of that book is really to help shift our perspective on self-care. Uh, it's easy for us to think that we have to work very hard and then we have to have all the fun we can until we have to go back to work. Instead, this book challenges us, invites us to think differently about self-care, about taking care of our well-being, in that we can invest time, 10 minutes or two minutes or one minute throughout the day, every day, to be able to recover, to be able to take care of ourselves in very simple ways that keep us uh, from burning out. And so both of those books are just very simple, practical, hands-on ways to really start to think differently about our work and how to better care for ourselves. I really appreciate that because you came out with a book that helps many people to overcome the stress and perform better in their personal and professional life. So Kira, how people can reach you for advices, suggestions, so I have a, a corporate oriented or a workplace oriented website where you can go and it's uh, the number one and the number five and then the letter B and the letter E.com. And then I have a site designed for individuals and that's where you can learn about my Qigong classes. Uh, you can find my books. And there are many free downloads, articles, um, and other information that really supplement the conversation we've had today. And that website is freeyourself.world, uh, freeyourself.world. And then I have a YouTube channel where you can find uh, little shorts on some of these topics, just uh, little 
ideas to help bring a smile to your face, to help you maybe think about something in a slightly different way. And then I also have some of those energy exercises that you can try, you can experiment with and see if they bring you more calm or help you release something that you've been carrying around with you that's been difficult or something that energizes you instead of a cup of tea, for example. And that, uh, if you go to YouTube and you type the at simple, it's at free yourself world, all one word. So those would be the best ways on my websites. Um, there are contact forms. So any, I invite anybody who's interested in this topic, has a question, wants more information, you can always fill out a contact form and uh, I promise I will respond back to you. I love to interact with people uh, live in person, over email, um, etc. That's great. Give us some, you know, some advice or suggestions or tips for all of our listeners to go with daily life. Like, I mean to say, what are the daily rituals to follow for the good production and good uh, well-being? Oh, I love that. Daily rituals. The value of a ritual is, and uh, perhaps everybody knows this, but as I was uh, researching the value of ritual, the moment we step into a repetitive practice, our body knows, oh, it's time to do this thing that's going to feel good. Our hearts jump for joy. Oh, I love this when we do this. And then our brains know it, they can predict what the activity is going to be and how it's going to feel so our brains can relax. So I highly recommend when you wake up in the morning, create a ritual for yourself so that you can start your day with an openness, with anticipation of what your day could bring. So there are so many ways to do this. You could wake up and have your first thought be a gratitude. Thank you for my beautiful day. I'm alive. I see the sun or I hear the birds. I smell my breakfast, whatever it is. I'm alive, starting with a gratitude. You could get up and it's a, a practice called habit bundling. So something that you already do every day, you attach the ritual to it. So perhaps while uh, right after breakfast or uh, after you turn on your computer at work, you do something, take a few deep breaths or before you start your day, uh, before you, you see your family and friends, you might sit for a moment and focus on your breathing or repeat one of the affirmations you recommended. Uh, again, state of gratitude, maybe spend time in prayer if that resonates for you. Uh, spend a moment in nature, pause before you check your devices in the morning. Those would all be ways to create ritual to start your day. At the end of the day, we know there's so much science around turning off our devices an hour before we're getting ready for bed in so many ways to prepare the room we're sleeping in for a good night's sleep. 
Is there something else as you're getting ready for bed that you could add? That's a beautiful time to do a gratitude practice. You could also reflect on your day. I'll share one other thing. You can set an intention in the morning. So an intention might sound like today, I am going to practice patience. And then at the end of the day, when you're getting ready for sleep, you can reflect on your day and think, huh, I intended to be patient. How did I do today? Observing without judgment. And then you can try again. And once you feel like that intention is being realized, then you can change to another intention. That's another example. The last ritual that I would recommend is to find a moment during the day when you're working to take a break. Now, you may not have a structured break, so a break can look like uncrossing your legs and moving your body to the edge of your chair and looking out the window, looking at your screen. Nobody has to even know you're doing it. Breathe in through the nose, exhale out through the mouth and imagine your whole body just shaking. Shake off any negative things that have come your way. Imagine your body shaking, uh, any food that you ate that isn't feeling right for you. Imagine shaking off any emotion that isn't making you happy. And if you can stand up, I would suggest you do that. Find at least one minute during your work day where you can just take a few deep breaths, get up, move your body if, if you're able, if you're allowed, and uh, just remember you are so much more than your work. You're so much more than your role in your family, in your community. You're so much more, so much more than the limitations that your body might be showing you today. And just remember, you are so, so, so beautiful and so special and so valuable just because you're here. And taking that time through ritual to be reminded of that helps us let all the rest of going on in our lives. It lets us let that go. That's great. I'll certainly follow your uh, daily rituals advice, <laughs> step by step. <laughs> So out of curiosity, I'm going to ask the last question. Uh, does daily journaling help us? Mm, absolutely. Yes, thank you for that question. Yes, daily journaling is beautiful. It's a really beautiful way to practice observing the things that I've shared today. When we're in a state of personal growth, where we want to observe and understand ourselves better, that self-reflection, that self-analysis. Journaling is a beautiful, beautiful way to do that. Um, there are so many different ways to journal. So if you've tried doing it before, you can spend a little bit of time looking up uh, different journaling ideas. There are journal prompts. You can do a gratitude journal. You can write in a journal every day. There's a technique where you write three pages or one page or three sentences or whatever works for you. And you do it every day and you don't go back and read it. And then during a period of reflection, maybe a few months, a few weeks, even a year, when you want to go back and see 
how you have grown, how you have changed, then you can go back and read it. So you don't have to do that. And journals can involve pictures. They can involve poems that you write or poems that speak to you. There's so, so many different ways to journal. So yes, that is a beautiful practice. Do you journal? Yeah, yeah, I do. Some, but uh, I write, then it's like on and off. Sometimes I write, then I leave it. Then again, I'll start. <laughs> yeah. The last, uh, I have another thought. The last thing that I would say is to beware of feeling guilty about things you've tried for self-care that you haven't been doing. Mm. Sometimes we can remember, oh, I used to love doing this thing. And now I don't really do that anymore. It is possible that if you go back and try it, that you might like it. But oftentimes it's a sign that that activity was important at the time, but maybe isn't what you need right now. So rather than feeling guilty or bad that you used to do this form of self-care and you don't anymore, ask yourself instead, huh, what would I like to try instead? And then open your imagination to lots of possibilities. You could ask friends and family what they do if you need some ideas. And then start with something new and let go of any guilt or any sadness about what you've left and try something new. And it will bring a refreshment. It will bring a sense of, of excitement that you're trying something new as well that can help create a new habit. That's great. As you said, like you should not have guilty feeling. I remembered one thing like regrets. So, yes. so how regrets, like does it impact us? We should have regrets or we should not have regrets. Like what do you say about it? Hmm. It's so topical that you're asking this question. There, are, uh, there have been a couple of books that have come out recently about nostalgia and regret. And experts seem to have differing opinions about the value of regret and nostalgia. So I won't quote any of them. I'll just speak from my, um, from my own experiences in coaching people around regret and the training I've received. So as long as we're living in this moment right now, memories of the past we can reflect on if they will help us in this moment now. So let's say we regret saying something to someone and it comes up now. Ask from the frame of now, is there something that I can do about that now? Well, I could say, I'm sorry. I could correct my mistake. I'm just making this up, giving you examples. Then ask yourself right now, is that necessary? Would that benefit me or the other person? The answer is either yes or no. What happens with regret is, is it can pull us back into the past and it can create this loop in our brain and in our heart of remembering the mistake, the wrong, wrongdoing, the slight, whatever it was, and then put us into that feeling and then put us back in the thought 
and back in the feeling and back in the thought and back in the feeling and we get stuck. And we get stuck because we're living in the past. The past is behind us. Now, to the extent that looking back on the past, and this is where journaling is very helpful, to the extent that looking back on the past can inform the present moment in a way that's beneficial to us, then it can be a valuable tool. As long as we learn to release the emotional charge that that memory had. So I had a teacher once say to me, whenever we look back on a memory and that memory comes with an emotion, we've not healed ourselves from what happened. When I can look back at my wrongdoing, when I can look back at the thing that I said that I wish I didn't say, and I can bring myself compassion, I can bring myself understanding, that's beneficial in the now, but I'm still connected to it. So that indicates there's more work, there's more healing that can be done. When I can look back and I can smile, or I can be neutral, or I know that it happened, but I'm no longer carrying that with me, that's when we release the regret. It's very important that we're living in this moment right now, that we're not living in the past, and that if there are people in our lives who always want to remind us of our mistakes or something we said in the past or an argument in the past, that we make sure that we don't let that person influence us to live in that past. We must live in this present. And when we're living in the future, then we're creating potential for things that might happen over which we have no control. So it's in this moment now. The invitation is to be kind. You're human. We all make mistakes. No matter where we are on our journey, we all make mistakes. Can you forgive yourself? Can you ask for forgiveness? Can you be kind and understanding so that that regret doesn't lock you into this pattern that there's no getting out of? Does that help? Great learning from you, Kira. I learned so many things and hope all of our listeners learn many things from you, especially about, about the self-care, self-love, self-affirmations, and not to have regrets. Mistakes are normal. We need to accept it and we need to move on. Thank you so much, Kira, for your time. It was delightful talking to you. Thank you so much. Great learning from you. Oh, thank you so much. It's my honor and privilege to be with you today and to everyone who's listening. I hope that there's been one thing that might have piqued your curiosity or got you thinking about something you can do to help yourself, to support yourself so that you can live happily and in peace. So thank you so much for this opportunity today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I love that what you said, you should show gratitude in difficult times also. And we need to learn from it. It's like a lesson. It is a lesson and there are many of them in life. So to the extent that we can bring that, that playful, joyous, forgiving, um, understanding kind of energy to those situations, 
we'll be better off. And that's part of our journey as human beings is to learn over time how to do that. It may or may not come easily, but it feels so, so, so good when we can just start to release some of the the charge, the emotional charge of those difficult things. So, yep, lessons will continue. It's really just how we react to them when they come up for us. And uh, it is, you're right, it's all about self-love and self-compassion. So I wish that for, for you and for everyone listening today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you want to add anything? Just that it's just been a complete joy and pleasure for me to spend this time. I've appreciated your questions and I just have a sincere hope that we've been able to help people today as we're all going through this life of ours. And uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. There are many topics to talk about, to discuss about, and to make awareness about it. Definitely we'll connect again in another episode. I hope all our listeners had a great time listening to this episode. We'll connect again with another interesting episode. Stay tuned to the TAL Radio for more interesting and informative content. All of you take care. This is Hima Bindu signing off for today. You have just listened to Tal Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.